And like I said a few weeks ago, we hope that we could begin every single service with a little clip like that, just from one of you all just sharing what it means to be or what it might look like to be a daily disciple and that it's not all that that difficult to do. And so I appreciate Michael sharing a little bit of his story there. Um, Next week, we've got a female, finally. And we're going to show a female um, actually making daily disciples, too. So that should be encouraging as well. Um, I want to begin with a question for you guys. Can can you think of a time where somebody has grieved you? Think about a time when somebody's grieved you. Or how about this, when perhaps you've grieved somebody else, where you've grieved somebody else. The definition of grieve is to cause great distress suffering or sorrow. So to grieve someone is to cause them great distress or suffering or sorrow. So can you think of a time when somebody's grieved you or you've grieved them? If you're like me, uh, I can think of a lot of times people have grieved me, but fewer times where I've grieved others. Do you ever notice that? Like I, I tend to focus on when I'm being grieved instead of when I'm grieving others. And I think sometimes that's because uh, we do it without thinking. We, we don't necessarily mean to grieve somebody, but we do, maybe through our words or through our actions. And, and I don't know if you're like me, but if I do that to you, I want you to come to me because I don't want to cause you distress or, or sorrow or, or suffering of any kind. So please come to me because that is never my intention. Well, almost never. Like, sometimes I do like giving people grief, don't you? Like, that's sort of the sinful fun side of things. You know, like, I love giving Sutton grief. You know, so there, there may be that part. But I'm talking about really causing somebody to suffer and just to be full of sorrow. That is never my desire, and I'm guessing it's not your desire either. But here's the interesting thing. Not only do we um, sometimes grieve other people, but we also grieve God, We also grieve God. And that's what I want us to focus on this morning. How do we grieve God? What does it mean specifically to grieve the Holy Spirit? And so we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to look at three three verses. That's it. Verse 30, 31, and 32. What does it mean to grieve God? So beginning in verse 30, it begins, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. There is so much here in those three verses. And I want to encourage you, go back if you have time this week, and you do have time this week, so go do it. You know, like, go read all of Ephesians chapter 4. It is rich. It is full of so much that I wanted to share this morning. But we had to narrow it down to just these three verses. Now, I have a number of mason jar illustrations for you this morning. So hang tight on those. I want to begin by focusing on verse 30 and specifically what it means to be sealed with the Holy Spirit for the day of redemption. Now, remember that when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, he deposits in us 
his spirit. So his spirit, the Holy Spirit, comes and dwells within us. And we've been talking about this for weeks now. The Holy Spirit does some things, and he brings some things with him when he comes. And one of the things that it's talking about here is that he comes and he acts as a seal, if you will, that he seals our soul for salvation until that day when we meet Jesus. Maybe it will occur after we die, or perhaps he'll return to earth as he promised to do while some of us are still living. That's the day of redemption that he's talking about. Now, the Apostle Paul is addressing his letter here, so it's to the church in Ephesus, and his assumption is that they have all entered into this relationship with Jesus, that they have become these new creations. If you look at verses 17 through 24, he talks about how we're called to put off the old self and then to put on the new self. And listen to verse 24. He says that we are created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness, that it's really that we've been recreated, if you will, in the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, I want to share with you my first mason jar illustration has to do with these, these pickles. All right, now these have been preserved. They have been sealed, right? And, and they were good. They will last for years, for years until you need them. And I think we are like these pickles, and the Holy Spirit is that seal who seals our salvation. He makes it secure, and he preserves it until that day of redemption until that day when we come into Jesus's presence. And so he is like that seal. So when you look at maybe it's a jar of pickles or whatever it may be, think about the Holy Spirit and how he seals us. He preserves us. He secures our souls for salvation. Like it is secure, your salvation. When you turn to Jesus, when you accept him, when you commit your life to following him, when his Holy Spirit comes, you are now secure and preserved for all of eternity. Now, here's the thing. Um, I, I think that's what Jesus kind of had in mind. A couple times he was trying to bring assurance to the disciples. And in John chapter 6, he said this to them. In verse 39, he said, And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all of these given me, but raise them up at the last day. I think that's what he kind of had envisioned. Like when you commit to him and he seals you with his Holy Spirit like you can be at peace because God is not going to lose you. Your salvation is secure and preserved. And also, I think when he gave us the Great Commission and he, he you know, go and make disciples of all, all nations, you know how that goes. And then remember the very end of it? And he said, and surely I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. I think this is what he had in mind. Like he is with us. We are secure. Our salvation has been preserved. So that's part of the role of the Holy Spirit. He seals us, but he has other roles as well. Now, here's the thing. Even though we may be um, sealed and our salvation may be secure and preserved, we can still grieve the Holy Spirit. Even though this may be true, we can still grieve the Holy Spirit. And I want us to focus on that. How do we grieve the Holy Spirit? I think we grieve the Holy Spirit when we reject his gifts and his guidance. I think it's summed up that simply. We grieve the Holy Spirit when we reject his gifts and 
his guidance. Ponder that. Now think about, again, he doesn't just come in to seal and preserve us. You know, and that, sadly, that's a, a message that a lot of churches teach. It's just all about salvation, and when you die, you go to heaven. Like, there's so much more, so much more to life right now and the role of the Holy Spirit. So when he comes into your life, he brings gifts, and he comes to be your guide. So let's think about some of the gifts he brings. And you can read through, specifically the New Testament, read through 1 Corinthians and read through Romans and, and 1 Peter and, and even Ephesians. Read Ephesians chapter 4 again, like I said, and you'll see some of the gifts. But 1 Corinthians chapter 12 lists nine of the gifts that um, he brings. And notice that these gifts are given to us as individuals, but they're not meant for us to keep them. They're meant for us to share them with others. These gifts are given to individuals, but they're meant for the greater good of the body or the church. Now listen to them. Here are just a a list of some of them. Wisdom is a gift of the Holy Spirit. And this is one of my favorites because this is a gift that everybody gets. Everybody gets the gift of wisdom. And if you want more wisdom, guess what you need to do? Just ask. God says, just ask. Do you want wisdom? Ask, and I will give it to you in abundance. So wisdom is a gift for all of us. Some of these others, maybe not so much, but um, knowledge is also a gift. It's sort of, you know, what do you do with that wisdom? How does that play out? Uh, faith is a gift. Healing is a gift. Some may have the gift of healing. Um, the working of miracles, believe it or not, God's still in the miracle working business, and that's a gift he gives to some. Uh, prophecy is a gift. The ability to, to distinguish between spirits. So there are different spirits, and we live in a physical world, but there's a whole spiritual realm, spiritual world going on out there. There are different spirits, and some people have, have just like these abilities to differentiate between spirits. Others have, have the ability to speak different languages or tongues, as it's sometimes referred to in the Bible. Things that they've never learned in school. And yet, supernaturally, they start speaking in a different language. And some others have the ability to interpret languages or tongues. And so these are just some of the gifts that the Holy Spirit brings and offers to us. Now, he offers other gifts as well that may be called fruit. Fruit. There's things called the fruit of the Spirit. And if you read Galatians chapter 5, you'll see nine fruits of the Spirit. Things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and something that is rarely used, self-control, right? And, and so that's a, that's a gift, believe it or not. Like you have the ability, if you have the Holy Spirit, you have self-control, okay? So um, that's it. So we see all these gifts that the Holy Spirit brings to our lives, and he also wants to be our God. He wants to bring guidance. And, and we see this, if you go all the way back into the Old Testament, go to, to Psalms, and, and Psalm 32 in, in particular, look at verse 8. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Isn't that comforting? Like God wants to guide and direct you through the power of his Holy Spirit down the best pathway for your life. And then we talked about this last week, the role of the Holy Spirit in John chapter 16, verse 13. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. 
He will guide you into all the truth. And so when Holy Spirit comes and lives, we are sealed. Our salvation, our souls are secure. But he comes and he brings gifts. And he brings guidance. He he wants to lead us down a path that is going to be for our own good. He wants the best for us. And yet, oftentimes, certainly before you become a Christian, but even after time, after you become a Christian, sometimes we choose to reject his gifts and his guidance. And that's what grieves him. And do you know why it grieves him so much? It's because he knows when we reject his gifts and guidance, it's going to lead us down a path where there's going to be suffering and there's going to be sorrow as a result. And just as many of you are parents, it grieves him. It breaks his heart because he doesn't want that for us. He wants only what is good for us. But if you're a parent, you know how that works, right? Like you, I believe this is true. What we just want good for our children, don't we? And, and sometimes we discipline them because we want to protect them. We want them to go down the right path in life. We want them to experience all of God's goodness. And we know if they disobey what we're instructing them, things aren't going to turn out so well, are they? So our intentions are good. They are loving. And when they choose to be disobedient, when they reject the gifts that we offer them and the guidance we offer them, it grieves us, doesn't it? It breaks our hearts. That's the Holy Spirit. He's he's like that loving parent. And when we reject his gifts and guidance, it grieves him. It grieves him. Now, I want to use another mason jar illustration Um, imagine that that this mason jar is us, this represents us, and see this beautiful, see if I can get my hands on it, well, it's just overflowing already, but this is purified water, it actually, it said purified life, this is representative of what the Holy Spirit offers us. He wants us to be filled with all of his goodness, all of his gifts. He wants us to receive his guidance. And so his intention is to just fill us. And we've talked about this in weeks past. And then he wants to drink of him. He wants us to drink of him. And the more we drink the more he replenishes. And he just wants us to have more and more of his goodness, of his gifts, and his guidance. And this is what he wants for our lives. But sadly, what do we often settle for? We settle for what we talk about um, the world has to offer, which is something that is, is tainted. It's tainted by sin. It's contaminated. Now, we, believe it or not, um, you may not know this, we have a natural spring on the property here, and it creates a little pond out back. And in, in its natural state, it's good for drinking. You know, that natural, pure spring water is good. But the problem we have with our pond is it also receives the runoff from the farm over there. <clears throat> and um, from some of that runoff is some contamination that includes some of the cow dung. Right, And so Kurt helped me out putting together a a little visual of this. Um, 
This is our little pond and spring out back. It looks pretty inviting. And then this is the farm that's right behind us, which looks beautiful until you see that. And like that is running down into our nice little spring or pond, and it includes some of that, right? And so I scooped up some of it, which um, wasn't terribly great. And then this is what runs off from the pond, right? So here's how it, it plays out. So it starts out pure, and then we get the runoff from the farm, and it ends up something like this. Can you see the difference? This is the water that I scooped up. I don't know if you can look down in there, but there's, that looks like manure to me, but the, uh, like there's something in there and it, it doesn't taste very good. I'm not doing it. Like I have my limits, you know, because most of you know I'm very pure, but the, um, <clears throat> but here's the thing. How often do we forego this and drink this? We're all guilty of it. And, and imagine the Holy Spirit when he's like, here, this is what I have. And I've, I've got, the, you need more? Like, I'll give you more. I, I just want you to be pure. I want you to enjoy the very best. And we're like, yeah, I think I like this. And, and it grieves them. It grieves them. And it doesn't make any sense, does it? Like, why would we settle for this? When he offers this, and yet we do, we're all guilty of grieving the Holy Spirit. Now, verses 31 and 32 talk about how do we deal with that and how this all plays out in our lives. Look at verse 31, very plain. He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Get rid of it. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. This um, contaminated water, that's the kind of life it represents. And it's been contaminated. What goes into it, what flows into that originally pure water, now what flows out of it is going to be contaminated, isn't it? And just a little bit of contaminated water coming into the pond makes the entire pond contaminated, right? And then what flows forth from the pond will also be contaminated. And so it will affect us, but it will affect others. And think about how that, that plays out. When you just allow a little bit of bitterness to settle into your life, what does it lead to? It leads to rage and anger. It leads to brawling and slander. It, it leads to every form of malice. And, and God's saying, get rid of it. Get rid of it. You can't entertain a little bit of it because a little bit of it, a little bit of bitterness, it's going to contaminate your entire life. And what's going to flow forth from you is something that you don't want. You don't want to infect other people because there's going to come suffering as a result. There's going to be sorrow as a result. That's why it grieves the Holy Spirit because what it does to us and what it does to others. Now, instead, we're supposed to do um, what 32 states. 
And it says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Do you remember one of those, those gifts, those fruit of the Spirit? Remember what one of them was? Kindness. Kindness. And so instead of allowing bitterness to fill us, we allow kindness, God's kindness, to fill us. And what flows forth when we embrace that kindness? Well, it's compassion. Now we start to have compassion for others, and we begin to have forgiveness for others. This is what makes us, if you are truly a committed follower of Jesus, if you're a disciple of his, this is what makes us different from all the world. See, we are known for being a people who forgive. And and this forgiveness is not based on the merit of somebody else. It's not that they deserve our forgiveness. We are called to forgive despite the fact that they probably don't deserve our forgiveness. Despite the fact that they have grieved us, we're still called to forgive them, aren't we? Think about Jesus. Did he die on the cross to offer us forgiveness because we were especially worthy of that? No. Despite the fact that we weren't worthy at all, despite the fact that we deserved God's wrath, he still died for us so that we might be forgiven. And so in light of that, we should be forgiving as well. And here's the thing. I I want us to take a moment and, and just honestly consider whether we are currently grieving the Holy Spirit. Just take a moment and think and pray. God, am I currently grieving you? Am I holding on to any bitterness? Are you bitter right now towards anybody? Maybe you're bitter towards your spouse. Maybe you're bitter towards an ex-spouse. Maybe you're bitter towards a parent, or you're bitter toward a sibling. Or maybe you've been bitter toward a friend or a colleague. I don't know, but are you holding on to bitterness towards somebody? See, if you're struggling to forgive somebody, then maybe you haven't taken time to really reflect on how much you've been forgiven. See, if you can't forgive someone else, maybe you don't know how much God has forgiven you. Think about how you have rejected his gifts and his guidance over your life, and yet Jesus still died for you to forgive you. Reflect upon that, because we have a choice. We can hold on to bitterness or We can embrace forgiveness and extend forgiveness to others. But if we're holding on to that bitterness, here's the truth, and and you may not like to hear this. It calls into question whether we're truly Christians. If you are holding on to bitterness, it calls into question whether you truly are a Christian, whether you have received the Holy Spirit and he has sealed you, whether You have received the Holy Spirit, and he has, in fact, brought his gifts and his guidance. 
it calls all of that into question. Um, you've probably known people like this or heard people say, you know, well, me and God, we're good. We're, we're good. So they, they got this vertical relation. They're like, oh, yeah, we're good. But you look at their life and, and like, they're not good with other people, right? Maybe there's, there's a friend or a family member or somebody, and they're like, they haven't talked to in years. Why? Because they're holding on to bitterness and unforgiveness. Do you know anybody like that? They're saying, you know, no, me and God are good. But this horizontal relationship with others, it's broken. Here's the reality. You can't honestly say, me and God are good if you're not good with others. In 1 John 4, 20, he, he said this. This is a tough one. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And so we can't honestly say, no, me and God are good. If you're not good relationally with others, that you can see. That's the reality. And so we may be lying to ourselves. We have may, maybe embraced a lie. Or, or maybe you are a Christian. And, and you're just grieving the Holy Spirit. You know, you, you've chosen for whatever reason, usually because we've been hurt, and we, we all get hurt, right? Like, I hurt lots of people, unfortunately. Please come to me if I've hurt you. Recently or sometime in the past. Sometimes people come to me years later. Like, I can't believe you said this to me. I'm like, I don't even remember saying it, but I believe you. You know, please forgive me. Like, we, we, we need to, to be honest. Like, if we've been hurt, if we've been grieved, then we need to go and, and let the other person know. And then we need to make things right. Because if you're a Christian and you've grieved someone or you've grieved the Holy Spirit, that's not where you want to reside. You don't want to continue to, to be drinking of this contaminated water. No, you, you want to repent of that and say, no, I'm going to put that down. I don't want that. Holy Spirit, I, I want you, and I want all of your gifts. I want all of your guidance. I want to experience that life that, that's only going to lead me down a path that is good for me and good for others as well. I want to experience all your gifts and all of your guidance. So if you are truly a Christian, then just repent. And turn back to, to God. Ask his Holy Spirit to cleanse you and to fill you afresh. You know, I think it's important for us to be introspective. Um, and so maybe think about yourself. And maybe if you're so bold, ask somebody that's close to you or even somebody that may just be an acquaintance. Say, what do you see in my life? What do you see flowing forth from me? Because remember, what flows into us is also going to flow out of us. Do you, see, um, do you see things like kindness and compassion and forgiveness flowing out of me? Or do you see bitterness? Do you see you know, this, this anger, this, this brawling kind of spirit, this slanderous kind of spirit? Do you see various kinds of malice flowing out of me? Like, we need to be honest with ourselves, and sometimes we may need to ask others to be honest with us as well. But we don't want that for our lives, and we don't want it for those that are around us, and God does not want us. That's why it grieves him so much. God wants only good things for us. He wants to guide us down the path 
that's going to lead to the best life. He wants to seal us with his Holy Spirit so that we are secure, so that we can take risks for him into the future. He wants us to have that security. He wants to overwhelm us with his gifts and his guidance. That's what he wants. And it's not dependent on our worthiness. You know, in, in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, this is what it said. It said, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so we just need to embrace that fact. And we need to allow the Holy Spirit to do what only he can do. If you've been holding on to bitterness, if you've been holding on to unforgiveness, let it go. Let it go. If you've been grieving the Holy Spirit, let it go. Let it stop. Confess it. Repent of it. And allow him to do what only he can do. What only he can do. And may our lives, may our lives Just be a testimony to God's goodness, his gifts, and his grace. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much. Even though we grieve you, you love us. You love us unconditionally. You you want so much for us. And that's why it grieves you when we choose to reject your gifts and your guidance. I thank you that you are the ultimate loving father. Son and Spirit, that you are the ultimate loving God, that you love us so much, that you just want our best. May may we want that as well. And may we quit settling for this contaminated water of the world that that just leads to sorrow and suffering in, in our lives and the lives of others. Help us to be courageous and to take a stand and say, no, you know what? I I just want what is pure in my life, and I'm not willing to compromise. No, I I want that which is going to lead me to an abundant life, like, like Christ promised. May that be true of each and every one of us. Forgive us for grieving you. Thank you for your forgiveness. We ask it all in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.